I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Uh, welcome. Welcome. This is Tommy Barbie, and I am joined by the delightful Keelan Blue. And Hello. We are here to break down another couple of weeks in the crazy times of White Sox baseball. Crazy indeed. Crazy 2020 meant for crazy everything, and that includes White Sox. All crazy all the time. Yeah. Um, the biggest news that's happened since we last uh, all talked to each other um, in roster updates, uh, both Carlos Rodon and Nomar Mazzara were non-tendered. Um, Rick Hahn said something to the, you know, basically saying, we'll keep in touch, but we won't keep in touch. You know? <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> I kind of like that old breakup. It's like, it's not you, it's me. I think we should find other people and see what we really like and then talk about it later. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Mazzara was a no brainer. Um, I, I don't, did you see, do you follow uh, the new Mets owner on Twitter at all? I don't, but I see his stuff because of things that people react to on Twitter. Okay, because um, it was real. I thought, first of all, awesome follow, and you know, as somebody that is a um, one of the many that seems to be this overlap between Sox and Mets fandom, um, really enjoys Stephen Cohen and all of his thoughts, and the fact that he engages with his fan base on Twitter, I think, is just such a breath of fresh air. Yeah, um, especially considering you know we don't. We don't get like any, really. You know, there, there's that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but please he, uh, give us some crumbs. I know. Um, but he tweeted out who is the most no- uh, interesting non-tendered player and why. And one of the first responses that got quite a few likes was actually Nomar Mazzara. And I just, after I stopped laughing, I was just wondering <laughs> how much people outside of the AL central even realize like just how terrible he looked, you know, all throughout the year. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's just, it's another case where it's like on paper, when you look at the tools, he has the makings of what should be this bona fide great player but just doesn't have the wherewithal to put it all together and reminds me a lot of Alex Rios, who had a similarly terrible um, couple of years with the White Sox. And um, yeah, I just I I'm sure somebody will throw money at him because he's 25 and they still see the potential, mm-hmm. but he he's not worth it to me. Yeah, well, and I know. For a while, you know, people all season pretty much were waiting for him just to have like a comeback and just to hit a home run, (laughs) (laughs) which got pretty depressing because then he would and it'd be like, yay. And then it was like, now what? And then it was just back to where it was. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I think, yeah, there's like that wishful thinking of, oh, yeah, well, he'll have a comeback. But I am kind of glad we're not trying to wait and see about that. I, when I saw that yeah. news, I was like, not surprising, but at the same time, with the way everything else goes with the White Sox, I was like, who knows what we'll do? <laughs> May hang well, on to him. Yeah, I mean, keep in mind how much money he was making, too. I mean, that, yeah. that was always my biggest hang up with the whole experiment is that you 
you know, $9 million isn't a ton of money by MLB salary standards, but it is for a guy that played that poorly. Yeah. And when you consider how the Sox tend to nickel and dime their rosters, that money could have gone a long way towards some veteran depth that would have been really helpful last year. Yeah. Yeah. And I think not only the money, but like, you know, I guess they kept trying with him, which was frustrating as a fan, but also like they were trying to get their money's worth just to, you know, they created a lot of issues that were like, who knows what would have been different if somebody else had been in. There's so, still a part of me that sees Ricky Renneria doing it as an F you to the front office. <laughs> and I'm sure it's partially because that's how petty I would be if I was like stuck with a bunch of guys that I know can't hit. I would just trot their asses out every day and be like, yep. <laughs> you know, if we had a good hitter that, you know, was a designated hitter, that would be amazing. But we don't. So now you get to watch this guy strike out five times. Yeah. Uh, what do you think is going to happen now with right field? <laughs> I know that's been a big discussion kind of. During yeah, the I mean, um, there are a lot of interesting guys that are out there. I mean, if you want to go into the heap of non-tendered players, um, you know, Eddie Rosario stands out to me. I know that that makes a lot of people groan because of how terrible he was last year. But historically, he has a decent track record. No, he doesn't walk a ton. But if you look at some of his advanced metrics, he really... I mean, barring something significantly wrong with him, he should be coming into um, peak seasons now hitting 29 um, because like his defensive metrics and his base running metrics were way off from how he normally is. Like not to say that he's great at either because he's not, mm -hmm. but he's never as bad. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at his stats right now and I'm like, oh, <laughs> like, like, I mean, he fell off a cliff. And, yeah. you know, last year was such a weird year that honestly, for me, I'm going to discount it for a lot of players because you just don't. It was weird and it was weird for everybody. And you have no idea what was going on with him personally or if there's anything else that were extenuating circumstances. But I think you kind of throw that out and you look at his track record and to me, that's somebody where if you don't want to spend a ton of cash, like it's going to be probably a wash to what Mazzara uh, was making. Mm -hmm. But you could have a decent platoon if you don't want to spend big and go after Springer and get somebody in like Rosario. And then you have him and Angle kind of platooning. And or you sign another guy through free agency and then you let them battle it out in spring training. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that would be that would be cool. Just waiting. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it seems like eh, the longer we go on, it's interesting to see what is happening. And like you brought up the Mets. It seems like they're kind of snatching up a lot of people. I'm starting to get nervous personally because I'm like, what what are we doing? What are we going to do? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, another another name that I I don't see the White Sox going after, but I think it, it might be more intriguing than um, what has been printed or given credit is Kyle Schwarber. Yeah, that's a. Uh, because I'm not going either way on that, but because <laughs> I, I mean, it's very interesting because it was like everybody was talking about like Chris Bryant, Chris Bryant, Chris Bryant. Yeah, I mean, and I know people just speculate all the time. And then I was like, oh, no, they're keeping Chris Bryant and uh, non-tendering Kyle Schwarber. I was like, oh, but I, I, he's I kind don't of think like, they're going to keep Bryant. Honestly, you don't think so? No, um, he, he makes way too much for that for them to keep on his salary. They're going to get rid of him. Interesting. Because like they're on full on fire sale right now. Yeah, it's pretty crazy looking at what they're doing. Like, honestly, I know we have our stuff going on, but I'm like, I'm kind of glad we're not doing that. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, it's um, it's funny because uh, somebody had mentioned that they were thinking about the White Sox in the late 80s, early 90s 
being restricted to cable television and it's kind of that same idea where it's like now you have the cubs on the marquee network um and they don't really have a brand identity Mm -hmm. right now no they don't they don't it's kind of it's crazy to look at because it's like they're you know i know we're like rebuilding but now i'm like no you guys are (laughs) You guys no, are rebuilding. They're, they're really rebuilding. Yeah, we're not like that. So in a way, it gives me a little probably false confidence. But, you know, whenever you see the Cubs uh, not doing thing or doing things worse than we are, it's like, cool. <laughs> I'm encouraged on some level. Yeah, I mean, it, it's I do not understand a lot of what they're doing because I, I yeah. don't think their window is as closed as they seem to think that it is. Yeah. I, and I wasn't expecting, I mean, some of their stuff is like, okay, yeah, that was kind of see it coming. But then some of their stuff's like, what? I don't know. Yeah. But I mean, so really, I just, I think it'll be interesting to see where Schwarber ends up because I think he has to play in the American league because he can't play defense frequently enough for that to work. Mm -hmm. Um, I just, I really, I don't, it won't happen. And this is just me being, you know, out there because I can be. Um, But just the prospect of a guy that can play DH, play the outfield a little bit and still catch every now and again is just kind of like that defensive flexibility that I think most American League teams would definitely want and be interested in. Yeah. And, I mean, right now we have in the outfield, what, Luis Robert. <laughs> That's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah, Robert. You got <laughs> he says he can't run across the whole yeah, field all the time. Eloy falling into, you know, <laughs> God knows what. And Angle, who is good. But, I mean, it's just, I Angle is the guy that comes in off the bench and gives you about 80 good games in a season. And there's nothing wrong with that. But that doesn't mean that they're the guy that you want in the lineup every single day. Yeah. And I'm absolutely very pro Adam Engel. But at the same time, like if we can get other things, why aren't we? I know why. But also, you know, he can't. You're right. You're right. He can't. Like, I think he's pretty reliable. But like all the time, I think it would just be a bit more of the same. Who knows when he would start falling into things. And, you know, the Sox are going to need a backup catcher, too, because James McCann is going to be gone. Yeah. Where do you think he's going to go? Any thoughts on that? The current rumor, like all teams or all free agents, I should say, not all teams, is the Mets. They're taking everyone. So I... I'm not surprised because they need help, but I thought the Mets were going to go after uh, JT Real Muto more so than James McCann. But I think McCann's leadership and how well he works with pitchers, that would just be, you know, a dream fit both um, yeah. for both sides. Well, like I, I think it kind of sucks. Obviously. Well, not kind of sucks. It really does suck after everything with uh, Giolito. Like, I mean, that was a very natural relationship. Um, and after going through all that together, um, it kind of sucks, you know, to see him go among other Absolutely. reasons, but yeah, I like that. That was a very fast relationship to build. Um, so I'm going to be really bummed. Please don't leave. <laughs> <laughs> Please stay. But, yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's going to be interesting. Personally, I think what will end up happening, um, don't quote me on this, but it would not shock me at all. If the White Sox get Yadier Molina, just so Yadi and Tony Larusa can be reunited. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> How do you feel about that, though? It's it's fine. I mean, you know, um, I I really, I I'm sure he probably wants to stay with the Cardinals and just finish out his career there, but. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't surprise me if a team overpays a little bit and you're getting that veteran leadership that so many playoff contending teams are are desiring, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously there is a bunch of kind of I'm going to use the word nepotism 
<laughs> here, even though it's more of a Indirectly. baseball. Yeah. yeah, baseball nepotism. Um, so that makes sense in that way. But, you know, it's unfortunate. Um, and I was reading about earlier today about with uh, McCann, like how the Tigers are still looking for a catcher. So I'm like, cool, this is our future now. I'm in a very negative space right now. <laughs> I can tell. Great, <laughs> like, this, this is all this fine. Very dark. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Everything's fine. No, I mean, I, I think I think it'll be it will be a busier off season than people are thinking, and I don't mean that to say that the White Sox are going to spend because I think there's a there there needs to be a distinction between busy and expensive. Yeah. The White Sox aren't going to spend a lot, but they will be busy doing a lot of little things, um, and I think this is a year to do that because there's going to be there are a lot of free agents. Um, there's even some non-tendered guys that are out there right now that I'm like, all right, you can put a flop, you know, one, two year contract to, you know, take a flyer out on these guys, see what you get mm-hmm. and yeah. really build up your depth so that you aren't relying on just random minor leaguers to, you know, jump from a ball to the majors uh, in, in one year. Because you don't want, you, you know, it's not going to be exactly like last year, but there isn't, there still isn't a lot of minor league system depth because they completely overhauled the minors. Yeah. Well, and it looks like there's some more shifting going on there as well. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I feel like that's risky. And then there's already so many young guys we have. And there's just, and with Tony Larissa coming in, and it's like such a new, experience for those guys even if they've only been on the team for one year that it's probably good to have like you said at least somebody in there with some experience and yeah maybe try them out for a year and that's like see what happens see what you get and the you know more more than most organizations white Sox are usually decent at finding lightning in a bottle Um, yeah you know, strangely enough, this would be kind of a year where I would love to have somebody more like Kenny Williams, where just like going out and signing a bunch of old guys to one year contracts and seeing what sticks, because yeah. I, I think that's what they need right now. Yeah. Um, you know, the the my, the prospects need to play themselves out and you need to see what happens with them. But if say Andrew Vaughn, if you're relying on him to be your DH right off the bat, like that, that's a lot to ask of him. And I say that as somebody that thinks he's going to be probably one of the best hitting prospects that the White Sox have had in at least five, 10 years. Yeah. But that's five or 10 years. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. you know, I feel like there's a lot, like there's a lot, it's yeah. not just him. It's a lot of, folks so yeah that um, part that's parts that like that continues it is to interest me yeah um and you know the the other person that we need to pour one out for of course is carlos rodan who yeah <laughs> um i really rooted for um you know i ha- i have to admit when they drafted him i wasn't a huge fan but it was more that i knew the uh, cost was going to be high as a in relates as it relates to his draft slot and mm-hmm. also how much he pitched in college. Like he pitched a ton, and mm-hmm. there was a lot more wear and tear on his arm than you normally like to see out of a prospect. And I just you know if he could have just stayed healthy, it it probably would have been a different story because when he was good, he was really he was pretty good. Yeah. Um, he had good stuff. I just, I don't see a path forward for him in the rotation on any team, frankly. Yeah. And I don't think he has the repertoire either to really be an effective bullpen guy. He's probably going to end up being a, a tweener, kind of like a, a Gio Gonzalez long-term. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's sad. I was just reading about him as you were talking about him. Um that is pretty crazy. Like has his kind of like rise, early rise, super early rise, mm-hmm. and then fall. Um, yeah, like top prospect as a freshman. 
Yeah. That's insane. Yeah, that really and, sucks. You know, I, I know people want to label him as a bust, and there has been a lot made of the last few uh, draft picks, especially since Jake Berger looks like he might actually be able to play baseball this year, yeah. which is incredibly exciting. But, you, you know, the Sox have had a, a dearth of talent coming out of the first round. Um, in the last few years, but I, I personally will never put injuries as a, as a reason for somebody being a bust because that to me is just, that's bad. Well, yeah, there was a lot of promise, like potential promise there. And then, I mean, it was, it seemed like a safe bet as much as you can. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, I mean, it's kind of the same thing with Garrett Crochet right now. It's like, he's, Mm -hmm. he's good. He's really good. He keeps getting hurt though. And it's kind of the same, not exactly the same but like that feeling is kind of like okay like it's a little nerve-wracking so yeah yeah. and you know the same thing with Jake Berger it's like I will probably never know if he was worth the first round pick but at the same time you would never expect somebody to go through that many knee injuries that early in their career yeah like playing baseball in particular like that's something like a football player yeah. Not somebody just like non-contact drills, blowing out their knee, you know, left and right, basically their first three seasons. Like, yeah, that's, that's insanity. That is that's pretty insane. When you were talking about the knee injury, I was like, that's weird. Like, it's some kind of eh, I don't know. It sounds like some kind of like congenital thing. With how yeah. the hell? I mean, I know they're super physical, like more than we understand, but that's still pretty strange for baseball. Yeah. Um, But. You know, in other happy news, and maybe this will shine a light on the the darkness that surrounds you. Um, one of my favorite broadcasters, and easily my favorite broadcast person. Not that I know these people personally, but <laughs> from what I know about them, uh, Lynn Casper is joining the White Sox as the new voice of uh, White Sox Radio, which. I'm absolutely thrilled with. Um, I think Lynn Casper is of the same mindset of J- as Jason Benetti, where he's just kind of like this really interesting guy that also happens to like to broadcast sporting events. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, like I awesome, heard though. him talk nonstop about music, movies, um, he has a soft spot for Bowfinger, so whenever <laughs> I see anything about him on Twitter, I always slide in uh, a Bowfinger <laughs> GIF because that's just what I have to do. Um, I remember I didn't know this because at the if I had known it, I probably wouldn't have gone. But I went to a whole study concert at the House of Blues not knowing that it was uh, the Lynn Casper concert because like he does a concert. He did a concert series with the Cubs every year and he was there and like talking about the bands and hanging out backstage. And it was just like really cool. And Lynn Bramer was there from XRT and a bunch of other folks were there and like everybody was just kind of hanging out and it was a smallish concert and just that type of, um, you know, I think having somebody that's a little bit not just new school, but also relatable and mm-hmm. able to talk about other things in addition to the White Sox and baseball kind of helps bring in that new audience and that new voice. Yeah, well, and especially, I mean, from my standpoint, as somebody who's not only like a new White Sox fan, but also just a new baseball fan in general, having somebody like that, it does make a huge difference because one, they can't, they are relatable, but then two, the way they talk about the game and explain it, it helps people like me learn. Um, And then also like you can see it, it's like they help you visualize it when Absolutely. a lot of a lot of people can't do that um i mean i've listened to our our own sometimes on the radio um and to be fair that was during pandemic times with like the fake cheering um yeah sometimes <laughs> then you know that alone is unsettling but then it's just like what is going on at times so mm-hmm. yeah that'll be awesome 
Yeah. Do I you mean, know I, like what prompted him to leave? Everything that I've read has been that he is just a huge radio guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and TV was more of an adjustment than something that he was immediately comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I haven't heard anything about him being unhappy with the Cubs or the marquee network, but I can't imagine anybody being in love with that situation where the organization is trending in the direction of being more and more exclusive to its content where, you know, as a broadcaster, you, you are earning your bread and butter through exposure and the more limited that is, the harder it is to really, you know, do your job in any effective way. So I, it wouldn't surprise me if that was part of his decision-making, but you know, it it, is much as he has had a good relationship with the Cubs. He hasn't said any of that publicly. Yeah, that's great. And it looks like overall it was a very peaceful exchange. I mean, I know a lot yeah. of Cubs fans aren't happy, uh, which makes sense, but... They are not happy at all. <laughs> well, I mean, I think they're just angry at everything right now because the world. Yeah, I would be fire. too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would be too. Um, but yeah, I mean, it sounds like, yeah, they're not happy, but it sounds like as far as letting... Link Casper go. Uh, everything was pretty peaceful transition, if you will. Uh, so that's great, and it made us happy. So whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Come to us. Yes. No, yeah, we, just, have, we have a good set of people. I just need him to bring Chris Bryant, and and then I'm good. Yeah. So I know that's something both you and I on Twitter had kind of had a very brief exchange about, and I know we've already talked about it a little, but. Mm-hmm. That would be something that I would really love to see, even if like, I don't even feel like I need to be promised he would he would do well. But at the same time, I think Cubs fans, as we mentioned, have been kind of like angsty, reasonably so. Um, And it would be kind of nice to have him come to us. Our fans are pretty nice until they're not <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be a refreshment, you know, it'd be refreshing for him. Be, you have to be pretty bad for the fans to turn on you, though. Yeah, like even as god awful as Nomar Mazzara was like, there were still people that were, you know, every time he came up to the plate, it was like, all right, this this is the one that's going to turn things around. And, you know, I I don't think that many fan bases would extend that level of luxury. No, Uh, no. And when he did do it, everybody was excited. It was like, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, I think the reason why I want Chris Bryant on the Sox is the same reason why I wanted the White Sox to go after Bryce Harper instead of Manny Machado. Yeah. It has been so damn long since the White Sox have had a good corner outfielder. Yeah. And it would just, it would be nice to have just like that to not worry about. It would be great to have somebody that offensively and defensively can be above average. And you look at the White Sox lineup and you look at where the holes are and the opportunities for improvement. I mean, yes, Luis Robert's going to be better where he's not on a three month slump, but At the same time, he's going to be playing 162 games instead of the shortened season that we had this year. So even accounting for improvement, you still have to expect that there will be guys that are struggling and having a hard time or not staying healthy. And that's where I'm really wanting more of the bona fide talent on the roster as additions as opposed to stop gaps. Yeah. And it would also bring in kind of like that more veteran person we were talking about. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And bonus for us. Uh, I mean, like that would just be really fun. Well, not for Cubs fans, uh, but maybe even a little, if they feel like being really angry, um, it would be <laughs> really fun. Like across town, that would be, the most amazing. Oh, it series. would absolutely add to the rivalry. I mean, think about how mad Cubs fans get about Eloy. 
<laughs> Suckers. Like, like all you have to do is bring up either Eloy or Jose Quintana, and that is a guaranteed twenty-minute rant at minimum. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I even saw some kind of pretty crazy, irrational things about Lynn Casper, um, yeah. about how <laughs> somebody is saying like, "Oh, like you guys just want to be like us." I was like, "He left for us. He came right. to us." Exactly. It's good stuff. So, All of them is. just come to us. <laughs> Living rent free in Cubs fans' heads. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. I love and it. And with that, we will take a quick break, pay some bills, and we'll come back and talk more awesomeness with the White Sox. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, and that was our commercial break sponsored by Michael McDonald. <laughs> Michael McDonald sings the hits. <laughs> yes, please. Get him to get him to sponsor us. Bring him back. That's your that's your walk-up music. Have Michael McDonald's my walk-up music? Yeah. That that's way too dancey. <laughs> So you can like, dance up to the plate. <laughs> yeah, that's I need I need to get amped. That's why like it's <laughs> always been Black Sabbath. That is that's good. I accept that. I don't know who mine would be because like every day I'm like I have a different mood for what motivates me, kind of. So I'd be like switching no, I, it up. I just I always thought it would be super badass to like come out of the bullpen and there's like, you know, a smoke machine going on in the bullpen and I come out and war pigs is just blaring overhead. That would be badass. Right? Exactly. <laughs> be beautiful. Oh, Lord, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that gets you hyped. That, yeah. That's what I need. I don't want to, you know, be in a fun, happy mood. I want to be like, all right, I'm, I'm ready. Let's do this. <laughs> Let's smash some exactly. shit. Exactly. That would make me throw 100 I miles. Feel like, I feel like I have to think about this a bit more. I probably have like a running list of five and I'd be like, just shuffle it. <laughs> Can you do that? Can they shuffle it? They do. I mean, there are players that have like two or three. What would your other ones be? Oh, geez. Um, I would probably have Kendrick Lamar's All Right is one of them. Yeah, that would be a good one. I would just have to figure out how to get the most of that song without them censoring everything. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really terrible to me when people have hip hop music as their walk up and half of it is censored. Because yeah. then it's just like all you hear is... What? What up? What up? What up? <laughs> and I'm always like, did something happen? <laughs> it's skipping. It's skipping again. Did Jerry not pay for the whole royalties? <laughs> like, what happened? They had to take the iTunes clip. Exactly. <laughs> this song is explicit. And yeah, I mean, I just, I've always in like just really found that kind of embarrassing and even when i was covering the Sox games um this past season and there would be the media timeouts they would play rap music and it was just it was awkward because i'm just like <laughs> I, can, I can barely tell what the song is because everything is getting edited out and i can't really tell what's happening anymore <laughs> It's like watching a Tarantino movie on on cable network. Like you can't like oh, yeah. be on HBO. Like you don't want to watch Pulp Fiction 
on TNT because then you have no idea what Samuel L. Jackson is saying. Yeah, I remember watching The Big Lebowski on cable one time That's and I was like worse. yeah <laughs> this just doesn't even make sense this is I, what happens it. when you find a stranger in the Alps <laughs> yeah uh, that is the real edit that they use <laughs> that's terrible <laughs> I'm not even joking because I think I think the Coen brothers got to suggest edits for their movie and that's what they did. Yeah, they were probably the people who have to like censor they're like we just don't even want to deal with this can you just like <laughs> figure this mess out it's too much so yeah, when um, John Goodman's losing it on the car, he said, "This is what happens when you when you find a stranger in the Alps." <laughs> yeah, <that> makes sense. <laughs> Which you know contextually makes zero sense. Oh no, yeah, <laughs> that is uh, what? Yeah, <laughs> what are you talking about? What did I miss in this movie about the Alps? Right. <laughs> oh yeah, I watched. Oh, I forgot what it was, but there's something I watched not too long ago that had a nude scene in it. And I was like, oh, I watched this on TV and without this scene, it did not make sense. This makes a lot more sense now. That's kind of like the first time I watched Trading Places, like the real version. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, Jamie Lee Curtis. OK, I didn't know that happened. <laughs> That's why she's a sex symbol. <laughs> kind of a random like, one. Yeah. I mean, I was not I was not prepared for that at all. And yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So weird. Noobs. But no, I, you know, related to such topics, I have not watched Showgirls yet. So um, next next episode, I'll try to get that in. Yes, do it. For context yeah. for our listeners that don't follow our weird tirades on Twitter. Um, apparently. A movie that pretty much everybody has seen for being so horrible it's good and i just i knew about it being horrible and i kind of moved on with my life because i <laughs> didn't know that it was like so bad it's good type of horrible yeah well and i think we made the joke the other day that it's like very conf it's like very erotic but also very confusing so that's weird uh i guess it is verhoven and he has pretty weird ideas about oh, women yeah, that's true he's uh <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. He's a weird dude. He is really weird. And I like a lot of his movies, but yeah, there's some definitely the, his stuff with women in it is like, what? Problematic. what? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's also like Basic Instinct, which I still haven't watched all the way through. I've oh my seen God. key components of that movie, so I'm good. <laughs> Key on, on what I see. <laughs> but I'm also like the older I've gotten, the more I've been like, this is a really problematic movie that I'm not yeah. sure why this got made. Yeah, it is. I actually really love that movie. I mean, it is totally problematic, but I love it. I think Sharon Stone did like a great job within the context of that character. And outside of that, I just like her style in the movie. But yeah, it's again, it's almost not as bad as Showgirls, but still the same thing. It's like a teen boy wrote this kind mm -hmm. of. I mean, Absolutely. RoboCop, RoboCop, you could argue too. <laughs> I love same RoboCop for, even more same than for Starship Troopers. Yeah, they're all very like, who wrote this? And I enjoy yeah. them all. But, you know, I, I enjoy Starship Troopers and RoboCop for what they are because they don't take themselves seriously. Yes, that's a good um, point. And I think that's why I like them as well. Yeah, I mean, I basic instinct kind of was just like melodrama for me. And that's why it kind of lost me a little bit. And I was like, eh, I yeah. get why people are obsessed with it because Sharon Stone is, you know, the hot crazy woman but at the yeah. same time it's kind of like I I, I don't know that it's <laughs> it's not exactly what you want you know it, it's the same reason why I have an issue with um, I'm blanking on the name <laughs> uh, the um, the cocaine movie oh blue no oh Scarface Scarface thank you <laughs> I love that you called it the cocaine movie. Uh, you know, I, I mean, 
I could have just done say hello to my little friend, but you know, I was trying to, <laughs> trying to avoid doing more than two impersonations in a single podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it was like I remember how everybody was obsessed with Scarface, and I finally watched it because I'd only seen the original black and white movie, and I was, you know, it's wow. boring. Yeah, and it's like if you can make gangster life boring like there's no reason for me to watch an 80s version of that which means that people were actually on cocaine when they made it um (laughs) and i watched it and i was just like this is so bad that (laughs) like it's just like it's melodrama and they're making it like it's this really serious topic but at the same time you look at this guy and there is no way he doesn't die before the two hour mark in this movie. Like he should have been dead <laughs> probably a half hour in. Yeah. Um, so you do think everybody was on cocaine making it <laughs> I, in, in the it? 1980s in general. Like there, there's a Everyone. reason why architecture, art and cars. <laughs> all looked and act and like did the things that they did. (laughs) They were designed to transport, contain, and were under the influence of cocaine. (laughs) What a good decade to be born in. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's true. Like you're, you're, you know, the most iconic car of the eighties was DeLorean. And yeah, that's a good point. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Like, (laughs) Every I mean, every surface was mirrored so that you could chop things up. <laughs> doors, the doors don't make sense, really. I mean, actually, I don't know. Do the doors have enough like clearance for other if it was parked next to another car? I, I don't think no. so. But no. That, so, that yeah. was an afterthought. Yeah, they were like, this will look really cool. I'll make this car. And, and that's exactly what 90% of that car was. was <laughs> this would be cool. And then somebody was like, hey, you know that that's either really expensive or really impractical. And DeLorean was like, yeah, but I'm on cocaine. So <laughs> do it anyway. And they were like, okay. I'm just imagining somebody like going to Jewel, get groceries, they're like, oh, I got to get out of my car. And they're like, oh, shit, I can't get out of my car. And then they just open them anyway. And they like hit all the cars on the side of them. And they're like, I got to go. I have 50 I pounds of cocaine in my DeLorean car. Went grocery shopping. I'm going to get one and prove you wrong. It, it won't drive to the jewel. That's my point. They broke down like when you went around the corner. with them. I'm going to push it down the road. I'll get a horses to draw it and put it in neutral. Oh, man, we've gone so far off topic. We did. I don't even know how to circle back about anything we were talking about before. <laughs> um, there will be a natural transition somewhere. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, but I guess they've sorted out all the coaching, which some of that was. I probably missed this, but maybe I didn't like you and I had talked about this previously and like, oh, and will they have all the pieces together? And then they did have that press release um on december 1st where they released the full list of the coaching staff that was one hell of a news dump yes it was because for so long it was quiet and then it was like here's this here's this here's this um yeah and i was actually i was i'm kind of relieved that like that's one less thing we're waiting on right now but yeah so any thoughts from you in terms of the coaching staff announcement? Because I there were a couple of things that I thought were interesting, but I saw we hung on to Daryl B. And yes. We talked about him last time, um, and Joe McEwing is now the third base coach. Yeah, that's interesting. I was not. I mean, I don't know why. I don't probably don't pay attention as much as others might to that kind of thing. But I saw that. I was like, huh. So I don't know any of the reasoning behind that. Well, he was the third base coach beforehand. Why did they move him? 
because uh, he was very aggressive. <laughs> cool. <laughs> so it was like, you, Paul Canarco, you're still stuck at first, but come on down. And Paulie's like, yep, I need an oxygen mask just oh. to get to third. I'm not <laughs> running to home. And he's like, no, you got to go. And he'd go and he'd be out by like five miles. <laughs> And Aww. after a few of those, it was like, yeah, Joe, we like you, but we got to move you somewhere else because we, we can't have this. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Um, I saw, too, the analytics coordinator. Shelly Duncan. Yeah, that's pretty interesting to me. That made me feel old because I was like, oh, I thought Shelly Duncan was still playing baseball somewhere. <laughs> Nope, so, <laughs> our analytics coordinator. So Maybe you are that, old. I was like, damn, how is he doing that now? Um, but yeah, son of uh, Tony LaRusso's bestie. Oh, damn it. <laughs> More nepotism. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, it's I, it's it's a good hire. Um, he definitely he fell out of favor with the Blue Jays organization. But mm-hmm. everything I have read about Shelley Duncan um, points to a very, very, very smart baseball mind um, and really um, it's for one, it's encouraging that the White Sox are even hiring uh yeah. analytics coordinator honestly that <laughs> that alone i was like oh look at this yeah oh, look at us go yeah i think that alone so yeah i don't really have so much of the historical knowledge at all but that was like okay yeah i mean that that in itself was impressive yeah but his dad is dave duncan who has been the uh pitching coach under Tony Larusa since like the beginning of time, um, <laughs> my son. is like there were rumors when Larusa was coming back that on whether or not Dave Duncan would come out of retirement to. Yeah, I remember with. seeing that. Yeah, and you know Duncan didn't want to come out of retirement, but like truly great pitching mind. So I mean, it would have been a good hire anyway, but like. I'm more excited about Ethan Katz, obviously. Yeah. Um, But I do think it is interesting that um, the White Sox have new assistant pitching and hitting coaches because um, based on the types of hires that they made, it seems like they have a hybrid now of more analytics oriented guys and more traditional guys, and they're hoping that that balances each other. Yeah, that'll be interesting. What do you think about that as far as balancing? It, it can potentially work, um, but even even if it doesn't go the way that people think it will, I will say that all of the guys that they hired are incredibly strong hires. Um, Miguel Cairo is uh, going to be a great bench coach for them. Another guy that I'm like, oh, I remember when he was on the Cubs in the early 2000s. And it's like, OK, I'm just old now. Um, I remember. Um, <laughs> Back in my day. Exactly. Um, but, you know, Ethan Katz, you know, he's going to be a huge, huge help for a lot of these tweener pitcher prospects that the Sox have right now, where they have literally, I would say about six guys that would be just as likely to end up in the bullpen as they are in the rotation. Yeah. And I think that cats will help elevate the guys, whoever it is out of that mix to be ready enough come um, opening day, but, um, that, that's something to keep an eye on. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, that's one thing too, like for me, um, for me being newer and again, like everybody else who's been a fan for so long, it's like, that's all, all you guys have known for so long is Don Cooper. So it's like, no matter what, 
well, not no matter what. Let's not say that. Let's not get too no, excited. No matter what. That, that's an accurate. I mean, yeah, it okay. brings there there are people that have literally said that Don Cooper does nothing except tell them <laughs> to throw harder. So like <laughs> there there is no can't overstate the influence another pitching coach is going to have that will actually work with these guys and show them the information that they need to have in order to better understand their strengths and what they need to do to improve. Yeah. And then he's a, he's a younger dude, but not too young. Cause those guys are all again, aging ourselves a little. It's like, Whoa, you guys are really young, but hopefully it'll bring like not only like a new way of doing things, but a different kind of energy. It'll, it's just like completely different. So yeah, that's going to be awesome to see. Um, I think seeing all of the coaching changes and like everything set that made me like okay hell yeah let's go yeah i mean i I think the one thing i was worried about was whether or not they would keep frank minichino so i was glad that he stuck around yeah because he yeah i mean just looking at the amount of home runs and power that the white Sox often showed as well as just their overall improvement in terms of their approach um you know, I, I think that he definitely deserved to to come back, but I wasn't sure if there would be a, di- a differing philosophy. Yeah. Um, have you heard anything about that? Like about any kind of differing philosophies with any of the a remaining philosophy? guys? No, <laughs> any of the remaining guys. Have you ever heard of philosophy? No, I thought you meant like the philosophy of like no, no, no. The, the coaching staff. I was like, well, it's Tony LaRusso. And I mean, we I'm, can talk about that today. I'm, like, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm waiting for him to avoid jail time or get out of jail first before <laughs> I like figure out what they're doing. Although I don't know if you saw, but um, apparently Tony LaRusso is organizing spring training this year. Oh, Normally, that's the bench coach's job. So that's that's the only reason why that's news. Oh, <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah. Um, why? I would have to imagine that there is going to be some sort of emphasis on fundamentals or something in some form or fashion that uh, Tony LaRusso wants to oversee. But it's it's interesting. It's not necessarily yeah. bad, but it is interesting. Yeah. That is interesting. I know. I don't even I to be honest with you, I had no idea that that was even like that with the bench coach. So. Is it like that with every team? Um, I don't think it's necessarily every team, but usually it's like the manager would oversee like you know the bigger picture stuff but then Mm -hmm. like for the actual scheduling and training and you know what kind of hitting camps and pitching camps we have set up and all of that that's usually the bench coach that would run all of that so the fact that Tony Russo is being a bit more hands-on is interesting but could be good could be bad we'll have to see yeah that is interesting um do you think in that case, I'm sure maybe not because it's a new hire under and the person hiring you, you don't want to say anything. But like, I wonder if toes feel stepped on in that case or how that works as well. For like, I mean, I think if it had been a more established coach, yes. But yeah. Miguel Cairo, I kind of look at this as probably a managerial job in waiting for him. Yeah. Um, and he gets to work under a hall of fame manager. So I, I think for him, it's kind of, he'll, he'll take the opportunity and not view it as a slight, but you know, if it becomes a pattern, then maybe. Yeah. Well, all that timing is going to be very, very interesting too, because well, I guess it depends on what we hear about any of the criminal proceedings for Tony Larusa. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's the only thing when I read that I was like, oh. <laughs> well, that's the other reason why I thought it was kind of interesting that he's like scheduling the whole thing. It's like, 
And there will be a three-day waiting period. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully only three days. Strategically. <laughs> yeah, that's that part is really interesting to me. And then also it's like, I'm just thinking about oh, him like out and about. I'm like, don't do anything bad while they're at spring training. Yeah. <laughs> don't or, get into trouble. You, know, you just you have some remote gains in Maricopa County. Yeah. <laughs> Please, sir. <laughs> Please don't do it. <laughs> it's, it's hard right now to even think about like everything for 2021 just because of the landscape of COVID right now when we're still kind of like, okay, there's a vaccine, but you know, I see healthcare workers, nursing homes, they're first to get it. Right. I do wonder how sports are going to fall into this operate next year yeah even like Um, the players because this year has been such a struggle for the players and i know maybe with baseball you know there have been a few people that haven't played during the year but even other sports too it's like you know are we going to do this another year of like people getting sick and that added that extra element of drama even without the audience there it was like yeah i mean I think I think the good news for baseball is that by the time it starts, it won't be as problematic as this past season was. Um, yeah. But to your point, I'm pretty sure they'll limit the amount of exhibition games that are normally uh, played. Yeah. So it'll probably be more, um, you know, strictly Cactus League or uh, Grapefruit League games and no random exhibition games with schools or colleges or, um, you know, any sort of like all-star type activity. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the biggest impact really is going to be the lack of uh the lack of a minor league system truthfully yeah um you're going to have guys like andrew vaughn and probably a few others that normally you'd want to have in the minors but if you don't have anywhere to put them or they're not a fit maybe they end up on the major league roster even though they're not entirely ready yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm very curious about that. Um, and then just in general audience. I mean, I don't see that. I've seen a lot of people like in the socks, they've been selling ticket packages, which yeah, I don't know the if they're cr- putting like a cap on them or. They're not. But I mean, I think the crowd is less of a big deal because honestly, and you know, I know that opening day is always a sellout event, so I'm not including that. If you look at how brutal the weather usually is for a good chunk of the country for the first two months of the season, mm-hmm. you're not going to get more than 10, 15,000 people to show up at these games anyway. Mm-hmm. And that is pretty much in line with like what they're doing at the football stadiums right now. Yeah. So I I think that they'll probably open it up to, I would say, maybe half capacity mm-hmm. um, for the start of the season, um, because I just don't see the ownership moving core without some sort of plan to get the uh, fans in the seats. <laughs> yeah, I don't either, because I don't know how it's sustainable, but also I feel like people are getting more bold as well. And- yeah. They're just sick of it. Like, even though I'm not going to talk about like the moral aspects of it, but yeah, I mean, people are just (laughs) sick of it. They're like, whatever, I'm going to go to my games. And like you said, football, it's uh, clearly things aren't getting better right now. And people are going to football games more than anybody went to baseball games. So, yeah. Yeah, I just keep seeing the emails come through about like season ticket ticket passes. And I'm just like, I mean, I don't know. (laughs) I, I wouldn't buy, I haven't bought a ticket package. Like, you know, last year I was all, gung-ho and it was yeah. my first time ever buying a season ticket package like i'm not i'm not doing that this year um yeah i want to really see 
how this is going to unfold first. Um, but I, I would be sure of them having it at maybe half, half capacity, but I could also see something happening where they might alter the schedule a little bit so that there isn't as much travel either at the beginning of the season. Yeah. I mean, that seems like a good idea, but also who knows where we'll be at that point. Like, right. That's crazy. That's only, and what if like a hundred some days four months away? Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. But also the landscape could be completely totally different. different. Yeah. 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 That's crazy. But I think that is why it is another reason why it's like, I can't buy tickets right now. I've thought about it. I've like waffled back and forth, but still undecided. There was another thing I wanted to bring up. Um, I think I brought this up on Twitter, um, but they still haven't announced the Roberto Clemente award which is interesting. Usually they announce it at the World That's Series. That's true, they haven't. Nope, they haven't. Um, so I'm very curious what, as to what's going on with that. Like, I, there was kind of a... I posted an article about it the other day, but I think the family was upset because they didn't announce it there at the World Series. Yes, they were, and I saw that. Yeah, but... and since then, there's been, like, nothing about it. So have no um... idea. What's going there on with that? There was something that I read that said that there's supposed to be an announcement this upcoming Monday on the MLB network. Oh, <laughs> I've been like waiting forever. Um, um, oh, here we go. Yep, I got it from MLB Network PR. Um, yes, the Roberto Clemente Award will be announced on Monday at 2 p.m. Oh. The Hank Aaron Award will be announced on Tuesday at 2 p.m. And then the Ford Frick Award will be on Wednesday at 2 p.m. And okay. then they'll do the all MLB team on uh, Wednesday at 7 p.m., which will basically be the, you know, in lieu of an all-star team, you'll have the all MLB team. Cool. OK, good. That'll be good. And yeah, we've got. Uh, Tim, Tim Anderson up for Roberto Clemente. I don't know about the other stuff, though. And then on top of that, the virtual winter meetings start tomorrow, which will be riveting as yeah. far as Zoom meetings go, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, uh, we were kind of talking about that before our call. I was like, how's that? How's that going to work? Zoom. It'll be like Sponsored watching the Zoom. golf network at two in the morning. <laughs> Yeah, uh, that sucks for those guys having to sit through that. Um, but also, hopefully we find out some interesting stuff. <laughs> I just, I want I want the MLB network coverage to be like the NFL draft, where they just have like the random camera pointing <laughs> in the offices of all the GMs while they have like their stress balls and just kind of like thinking through whatever they're thinking about and being like, that would be entertaining. Trade. Will he sign a free agent? I would watch that as long as nobody pulled like a Jeffrey Tubin type thing <laughs> on camera. <laughs> that would be the only thing I'd worry about. Zoom has made me like hyper aware of like, no, 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 don't do that. <laughs> You're on camera, don't forget. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I just I think it would be interesting to have that. And, you know, also just to be a fly on the wall for things like, um, you know, talking with different agents and what those conversations are, are really like, you know, yeah, behind the scenes. So just kind of getting a feel for that. Yeah. Good. But I'm glad we'll we see. have some stuff. It, it probably won't be anything. It, it will just be follow it on Twitter for the latest and greatest information. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> um, Give me the news. Yeah. I think that that is all that is happening in the world of the White Sox, but definitely stay tuned to the Southside Sox and follow Keelan and I on our respective Twitter channels and Whoop. we will keep you in the loop on all things going on. Hill, yes. That's right. And in the meantime, enjoy the rest of your Saturday night. You as well. And enjoy your fancy schmancy wine. 
enjoy your bourbon. I will. I'm going to eat a bagel. Helps. It's what helps with the, the pipes. That's why I get the Michael McDonald. <laughs> I did not take that to mean your throat pipes. And I was like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and now we're going to have a laxative commercial air. <laughs> but it's bourbon laxative. <laughs> that just sounds awful. Yeah. <laughs> I never said I was an inventor. I, I know, but I'm just <laughs> like, I, it's now I'm just picturing like Michael McDonald being like, it burns. Well, on that note, good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.